Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Awesome Entrepreneurs of St. John. I'm your host, Con- Constance Van Horn, or Dr. Connie, you can call me. And this week, I'm so excited to have one of the employees at the station here coming on and talking about her entrepreneurial endeavors. Stephanie Tierney, did I say that right? That's correct. Is a multi-hyphenated entrepreneur. Uh, She's a musician. She's an artist. And she's a social entrepreneur raising awareness about transgender community and queer. And something that maybe some of you might not be aware of, but Stephanie's going to explain to us, raising awareness and support and about empowering LGBTQ2+. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about what everything you do, because... I know that most social entrepreneurs, especially here, go, I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm, Well, that was my first thought when you asked me to be on the show. And my first thought was, huh? Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So I'd like to start talking about your music because, and then we're going to transition to your, your work as an artist and then your work as a social entrepreneur and activist. Mm. So your music, you mentioned to me, is about self-expression. How did you get into music? What, what's interesting about music? Mm. Well, I kind of, um, I've been playing music in bands and performing since about 1986, I started my first band in 1986, and uh, um, I, I don't know. It was just a natural uh, progression for me. Um, I was given a guitar when I was about 15, so that was in about 1985. And uh, I just I just had a natural pull like to, to pick it up and start strumming, even though I didn't know chords or how to tune a guitar. I just... My grandfather was a jazz musician, so oh, wow. I think it might have been like a genetic thing. There's music in my family for sure. So music in your blood. You yeah, know. and I just uh, always drawn to it, and um, yeah, ever since a young age, I guess I really liked soundtrack music when I was a kid. I really liked John Williams, who did a lot of the big blockbuster movies in the '70s and '80s, and I loved that. Uh, soundtrack music and then that evolved into pop music and that evolved into punk music and into metal and experimental and on and on we go so and and so you don't have a background in music no but you you grew up around music i mean i grew up around music in the sense that i made sure there was music around me i mean my parents had some beatles records and some bruce springsteen records but no, music wasn't, I would say, a big part of our household, but um, it, I, you know, I, I just, like I said, I was just, I was just drawn to it and uh, drawn to creating. And so now your 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 title for your artistic endeavor is Sister Skull. That's right. And it's primitive electric punk, electronic, That's sorry. That's correct. Okay, and you know I'm a bit of a nerd, uh-huh. so you're going to have to explain to me what is electronic punk. Um, I guess it's a certain aesthetic that uh, grew out of the 70s uh, industrial music scene. Um, bands like Throbbing Gristle or Control Bleeding, uh 
influenced a wave of bands in the 80s, such as Skinny Puppy and Ministry, and you might have heard of Nine Inch Nails. Um, those bands were all influenced by that late 70s, early 80s uh, stuff that was coming out. That stuff in the late 70s and early 80s was really abrasive and probably more noisy. And But then gradually the sound morphed into uh, adding... Uh, drums and drum beats to the music and then it evolved into uh, other forms of music and uh, Skinny Puppy was one of my really big and still one of my favorite bands a Canadian band from Vancouver Um, yeah I have heard of them I don't know if I know any of their music but I know I've heard of them so they did kind of like I just dubbed myself electronic horror, horror punk because I thought it was like it captured what I was trying to do, which was it's using electronic music in a sense, but it's also a lot of the tempos are really fast, like punk music. And and then the horror element is a lot of my lyrics are about horrible subjects and um, that don't get a voice maybe all the time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it started off more as kind of a, at times probably a little campy, uh, singing about horror movies or things that I think are cool. But now it's evolved into becoming more of a political thing where I use my voice to express my frustrations and experiences and struggles as a transgender person. So, And, and that is something that you're so passionate about, and I, I really appreciate that. I've been so lucky to get to know you these past few weeks, yeah, nice. and you've been so helpful to me and my learning curve here. Mm. And, and because you're so passionate about this, actually your latest album, and what was in the name of your latest album? Uh, it's just called EP. EP, S-S-E-P. I love it. Uh, yeah, so I'm donating the proceeds from that EP, which is a five-song uh, EP extended play. Uh, all the proceeds, I uh, all the proceeds from that EP will go towards supporting a maritime-based transgender support group called UBU, which was started in Moncton by a, a trans lady named Michelle Laird, and that group has expanded to Halifax, Moncton. Uh, I don't know if there's a chapter in Fredericton, but um, it's it's growing quickly, and uh, that group does uh, monthly support group meetings for people in their communities. Uh, and it also does other things like uh, clothing swaps. Uh, the local chapter of St. John UBU is run by a, a lady named Gloria Halverson, who is also a trans activist in St. John. And um, so we're starting to to branch out and do some things, make appearances and, and be partners with other groups. To and if, if someone wants to buy that ones. album, I guess yeah. they would go on your Facebook page? Uh, Bandcamp. Bandcamp? Yeah. Okay. Sisterskull.bandcamp.com. Sisterskull.bandcamp.com. That's Wonderful. And I can, I can provide a link to it in my... Um, in the show description and so you but you also have a facebook page which features your art and the facebook page is under your name just under my name stephanie tierney that's Mm t-i-e-r-n-e-y and you're also you draw and you express yourself through sometimes pencil sharpie and paper When did you pick up drawing? When did you start expressing your yourself and your activism through drawing? 
uh, November 11th, uh, 2015. Oh my goodness. Why at, the date? Uh, so at? There's at, a time? Yes, at 11-11. At, at oh, so the, I, day, the minute for, of remembrance. For weeks before I started uh, drawing, I had been having dreams and visions um, of really surreal uh, type things in my dreams. And uh, I kept seeing 1111 on clocks everywhere. And I thought it was very strange. So I st- started investigating a bit on the internet. And d- I discovered that there's this whole culture based around 1111 and that it's a, it's a, it's a very magical um it's a very magical thing to see that on your clock. And then I discovered there are, there's a whole groups based around this. Uh, if you see uh, at, at the hour 1234, 1234. Um, but I kept seeing this over and over again, and I thought this is really strange. And then on November 11th, it was Remembrance Day of 2015, at 11, 11 in the morning, which I think is the time when most people have the moment of silence. Yes. I uh, chose to pick up a marker. And I started drawing, and I did these two very small drawings. Uh, both of them were called First Date, and uh, they were pictures of characters, um, but they were kind of deformed and kind of scary looking. Uh, one of my big influences is, is a painter named Francis Bacon, yes, who 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 did a lot of um, portraits, pictures of people's faces, but they were really warped. Yeah, and and kind of disturbing. I've seen his work in museums. Yeah. It's very, yeah. You, yeah. you need to you need a break after yeah. <laughs> to take it all in. So I um sort of emulated, I guess, a bit of his style in a more primitive way because I mean, obviously, he was a very well established artist and very well practiced. And um, but I started to copy his style a little bit and add my own elements to it, and then gradually that. Uh, I started drawing. I was unemployed at the time, and I started drawing for like ten and twelve hours a day, just oh, wow. just nonstop. Really. And uh, then the subject matter of my drawing started to evolve into exploring my experiences and my struggles as a transgender person, and um, and then it got and so sometimes at times it would be sort of political, but also sort of fantastic at the same time, in the sense that it was some of the stuff was very fantasy sort of designed. Uh, I would do like kind of otherworldly stuff or, or trans women with wings flying through the air or like it, it, it really morphed and, um, and I'm still, I'm still learning and, and, and practicing and, and, and taking on new things. More recently, I just started drawing masks because I okay. find masks are very, uh, um, fantastic. So, no, I, I have a collection of masks at home, oh, wow. actually. So cool. you'll have to come over and I'll, yeah. I'll show you them I because I haven't actually unpacked them yet, though. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I'm, I just kind of try to remain open to, to whatever kind of inspires me when I start drawing. And sometimes that's literally just scribbling and it evolves into this weird thing. And then other times um, I scribble and, and nothing comes out. And then I wait a couple of days and then I come back and... And it's about self-expression. And you were telling me earlier before we started the interview that when people first started offering you money for your artwork, you mm. were a bit hesitant I was. and leery. I was. I, I, because I, as I also mentioned to you earlier, uh, before this interview started, I, 
I, I also had, as any artist probably does, I, I had doubts about my ability and I was unsure of myself. And I was also unsure of selling artwork that was very personal to me. Mm. And uh, I've definitely kept some things. I've posted them online, but I've kept the artwork for myself because they are very personal and I don't think I could part with them. But I did learn over time to let go of some of those things, of some of those pieces. And um, I've had some really great feedback from people. And um, I've, I guess the most, the greatest compliment I ever had was from my men, my friend, Michael Crompton. Um, on several of the pieces I posted, he said um, something to the effect of, this I love this and I hate this at the same time and so a lot of the ones I do that are expressing my experiences as a a trans person are at times are very disturbing and I I I love that I took that as such a compliment I was like it because I think it good art should should do that I should should really like it and there might also be a part of you that's really disturbed by it or or violently opposes it I think that's healthy or sometimes makes you think or or makes you look at the world in a little bit different way I mean I think isn't that the goal of every artist once you've done your self-expression to actually make people look at things in a different way yeah that's a good point and I also am very I'm surprisingly very naive about things and i approach things in a childlike way in a lot of my life and um i think my music and my art i i do kind of i mean it sounds cliche but i do kind of slip into a different headspace and i i approach it in a very innocent way in a very naive way although that sounds strange because some of my art and music are are very disturbing uh but I, I I never approach doing a project and think I want to make something that's going to make people upset. I just approach it in a in a more innocent, childlike way, and then sometimes what comes out of that is disturbing, and then other times it's it's also playful. It's fun. It's yeah. it's no, you are full of hope. I can mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. because you are full of hope, and you're mm-hmm. full of trying to make the world a bit better for those around you mm-hmm. and on on saturday or sunday sunday at the annual general meeting i got a copy of your very first edition mm-hmm. of queer zine that's k-w-i-r zine and can you tell me a little bit about that because this is like your role as a social entrepreneur and as an activist mm-hmm. So tell me about Queer Zine. I loved reading it. Oh, thank you. I it was agree. full of wonderful information yeah. and a lot of stuff I wasn't aware of. Like we have gender neutral bathrooms in St. John. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> so tell me about the story uh, of, so queer, of you publishing this, sure. self-publishing, but distributing it. I love it. Sure. So Queer started out actually as uh, an idea for a support group. Uh, before we had uh, the UBU Transgender Support Group, um, I had gathered a bunch of friends together to start a, a collective or a support group um, that was going to be called Queer. And we had one meeting and that it, it didn't really come to fruition. So what I chose to do is do a zine. And I uh, about, I guess, two years ago, I did a one-page zine, um, which had a cartoon in it. It had a poem in it. And it 
just generally said, if you are living in St. John and identify as LGBTQ2+, and you want to get involved with this group, here's my email address. And uh, I distributed those, and I didn't really get much feedback, and I really wanted to make it an official zine, but um, I was having a hard time getting um, people making submissions to it. So then I got hired here at Local FM as a volunteer support coordinator, and one of my one of my goals of my contract was to engage underrepresented voices in the community, and one of those groups was the LGBTQ2 plus community. Uh, I was not able to engage anyone to come to a radio show, so that's when Queer Zine became Queer Radio, and I started a weekly radio program here at Local FM interviewing uh, queer-identified people in the St. John community. That lasted for a year, and then I thought that was going to be it. And then when I came back in November of 2017 uh, to do another round uh, as volunteer sport coordinator, I decided to do this zine as a guide to uh, a resource guide for LGBTQ2 plus uh, folks in St. John because I felt like there wasn't one place where someone could go and find all that information in one. And so I thought this was my, um, again, my very innocent kind of um, loving way of, of um, sharing those resources and that information uh, in a zine, which a zine is basically uh, a photocopied magazine that somebody makes with their hands and, and photocopies and, and distributes uh, on their own. So No, I, I loved it. And and so I, I told you I was going to ask you this question. So yeah. I did sociology. I did a sociology course back in the 90s at University of Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew about queer theory. We did, we did a section on queer theory. But w- I think a lot of people might not be aware of what is queer. What mm-hmm. is queer? Maybe not queer theory. That's too academic. But what is queer? Now, are you talking about are you talking about queer as K W I R? Are you talking about queer as Q U E E R? Both. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so maybe we'll start with queer Q U E E R. Yeah. So that that word uh, for me, anyway, and I'm only speaking personally. That of course that word to me encapsulates everybody in the LGBTQ2 plus community. So that would be lesbians, gays, bisexual, transgendered, queer, or questioning, and two spirit. Two spirit. And then the plus symbol represents um, all those other identities and expressions that happen um, in that community. Okay. Um, so I use that word as a general kind of um, a word that, for me, encapsulates um, queer sexuality and queer gender identity and queer gender expression and anything basically that I don't like the word deviates, but deviates from the normal experience of a heteronormative or 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 cisgender population. The word KWIR is actually the phonetical spelling of the word queer, and it was a, a way for me to use that word in a more playful way, I guess. Um, I also just like the way it looks. No, so do yeah. I, and, and I liked your your logo. Yeah. Um, I, re- I, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was very 
playful and and empowering and powerful. Yeah, well, there's been lots of conversations about the word queer, the Q-U-E-E-R version, in the sense that that was a word used in the past to um, as a hateful word. And it was used as a word that... Um, Oh, I see. Yeah. And so now you're taking it back. You yeah, exactly. and 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 it's, it's just a process of of reclaiming that word and I I'm definitely not the first person to to use that word in a reclaimed sense. I mean, it's as you know in queer theory, it's that's that's just a word that's part of that, but um for me it was I I don't know, I just like the word and I do find it empowering and I do find it sometimes easier than saying LGBTQ2+ you know and it is very all-encompassing it's all-encompassing for me and is. and well and some that's i was taught that. that's, some people reject that oh label. really okay so there's but i guess there's always going to be people that 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 have different thinking and that's about being inclusive and having everyone's voices yeah. heard yeah. and so we're allowed to disagree um so in your social activism, your social entrepreneurship, you also give trans sensitivity and inclusion workshops. Yes. What do you talk about in these workshops? And if someone wanted to have a workshop, could they contact you? But first of all, what? Wh- why do we need trans sensitivity and inclusion workshops in St. John? Uh, it was born out of discrimination. It was born out of discrimination that I experienced. So, um, especially when I was first coming out, and and I would go to places and I would experience discrimination, or um, I would experience verbal abuse from from places. And I decided to start off. I, I built. I designed a workshop to help you, I'm going to interrupt that. you here. Yeah. You do understand this is entrepreneurship, finding a problem, yeah. having a problem and finding a solution. Right. You are an entrepreneur as much as I think you're just starting to accept that. Well, so you had your problem and yeah. you you designed this workshop, so I'll yeah. let you continue. Yeah, and so then I started going to groups that where I experienced discrimination and I started going to the management of those places and saying this just happened to me at your place, and would you be open to having a transgender sensitivity and inclusion workshop for your staff? And you that, are so um, brave. And that, and then that started to happen. So I've offered it for um, the St. John Public Library, for instance, was one of the places where I put that on, and uh, I've, I did it at the NCRA, the National Campus and Community Radio Association Conference here in 2015. Uh, which was the first time I actually did the workshop. And uh, I've offered it at the Learning Exchange for um, for adult learners. Uh, that was actually a favor for a friend who, who was just just genuinely wanted me to come in and, and do that. I'm going to be offering that there again in January of 2018. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if there are folks out there listening and they have an, an organization and they're looking for that training, I'd be more than willing to come and offer that the workshop itself covers the beginning of the workshop talks about what the word transgender means that's immediately followed by a history of transgender people from 1930 to present day then there's a 13 point a list of how to make your space uh inclusive for trans people and then i do a question and answer period at the end i want to take your workshop 
We're yeah. going to have to organize one maybe for the volunteers I here. I talked to Glenn about maybe doing that for sure. Yeah, that's definitely something that'll come in the new year for local FM volunteers. And I don't know. I mean, like I, I like doing the, the workshop. And the reason I did it is to help people understand. Because as you know, a lot of people just, they they probably likely discriminate because they don't understand, right? Of course, they're, they're so, scared. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to act. They don't know what to, yeah. or they, or what worse, to say. They, or worse, they lash out because they don't understand. Oh, and so I'm sorry. my thinking here is if I could use my voice to share ideas and to make people more conscious of the experiences of trans people, uh, then all the better. Right, because for me, it's only about sharing information and about telling people about real life experiences. And I, I always say that to people. I say, if people are being not good to trans people, I say, go meet a trans person, ask them about their life, ask them about their experiences, and your opinion will change. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I could continue mm. talking with you, and I, I guess I will. I'm Maybe. lucky. Yeah, After the, you can come back on the show. Sure. That's all the time we have for this week. I would really like you to check out Stephanie Tierney's Facebook page and check out her music. And thank you so much for 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 being a wonderful entrepreneur and for raising awareness and for just being you. You've been a wonderful help to me. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thanks for having me on the show. And thanks. Thank you also for just making me aware that I am an entrepreneur, because I guess I hadn't really thought about these endeavors in that sense. Well, you are exactly yeah. an entrepreneur to me. You yeah. are one of the awesome entrepreneurs oh. of St. John. <laughs> now you're going to make me blush. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Connie.